The Gun Experiment proudly presents Chopping It Up. And here are your hosts, Mike and Big Keith. What's going on, Keith? I'm all right. You know, a little depressed that you had to kick me out, but I understand. This feels like the early days of the gun experiment. So true. So true. Yeah. So those of you that are listening, I uh, have the flu and uh, I would not allow Keith to get it. Christmas (laughs) to get it. So uh, anyway, uh, before we get things rolling here, I just want to remind everyone that we do release new content every Tuesday morning. So be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And of course, Chopping It Up is sponsored by Target Sports USA. Head on over to TargetSportsUSA.com forward slash The Gun Experiment to get great ammo or to sign up for their Ammo Plus membership, which saves you 8% off, free shipping on all ammo orders, and a whole lot more, all for $95 a year. And Keith, you know what I was thinking? They had this awesome bundle. It was really cool. It was like three things. And if you were a member, if you were an Ammo Plus member, you got it for like a, an even bigger discount than they were offering. Yeah, it was like 119 bucks. I think it was that. It was a, free the, shipping. The, yeah, it was. It was a. It was a backpack and one of those uh, Bushnell speakers. A knife, I think. Right? A knife. Yeah, well, I, don't remember I called that. today. They are sold out of them. So. Oh wow. They're done. They're gone. And it, if you're not a Prime member, you don't learn about these things as easily. But you know what I was thinking is a good gift, a last minute gift for anybody out there. What about an Ammo gift card? An ammo gift card or an ammo membership. (laughs) Either one. Either one. Yeah, but if anyone out there is looking for a last-minute gift, a gift certificate would definitely uh, do the trick. So uh, I also want to say one other thing, too. Uh, Thank you. I'm. uh, You finally scheduled the 22 shoot for the the neighborhood. I I appreciate that. You thought I was ducking you, but I was just lazy. I thought you. I didn't. I thought you didn't want to lose. I don't want to lose, but I. So that's why you won't schedule it. Did it? (laughs) Well, now it's scheduled. Refresh my memory because this was pre-COVID. Uh, we were the two that faced off against each other in the end, right? That is correct. Uh, oh. I am always the bridesmaid, never the bride. Yeah, but you, you did come in first place in your league, so I'm a, a twinge nervous. Yeah, yeah. So. Well, you should join that league too. But anyway, I'm sorry. We'll, we'll talk about that forever. All right. I, I so, had you looking at uh, comp, old, fuddy competition 22s before we started recording. So, yeah, Which I had zero interest in. <laughs> Black furniture or no, nothing for me. Um, so before we get to our guest host tonight, I just want to remind everyone out there that I've been having an, a phenomenal time on our Discord page. Uh, it, it has been really, really active. It's getting so active and people are, are really, uh, you know, getting involved and talking. And, and I'm involved. How did that happen? Because it's private, right? Yeah, that's why. It's a better form of social media for sure. Yeah. Well, anyway, let's get this thing going. I want to announce our guest hosts. Our guest co-hosts on this episode are none other than Jackie Billings and Sean Curtis from Pew Pew Tactical. Welcome back, guys. Thank you. I am so happy that you guys are back. Jackie, you especially. Oh, thank you. you. <laughs> I, I talk about that episode, our, one of our early episodes with you as one of my favorite favorite episodes. That was a great, that was a great episode. It was one of my favorite podcasts I've been on. It was, it was oh, a good time. You. Yeah, and uh, Sean, we actually met you from Jackie after that interview and had you on, obviously, separate. So it's a blast to have you guys both on together. Um, and uh, what's going on with you guys? Oh, man. Jackie Jumpo. <laughs> <laughs> when in uh, doubt, pass to Jackie. Pass to Jackie. That's it. <laughs> um, well, I mean, we're both, uh, we're both at Pew Pew Tactical now. Uh, working there and that has been a blast to get to work over there with my buddy Sean he may have a different take on that I don't know he may, <laughs> he may say that I'm mean I hear that a lot well you do keep him in a dungeon we said like his I do. yeah he's in a dungeon right now yeah. so yeah. so Sean you retired from law enforcement 
and you join Pew Pew Tactical full time. And I have to tell you, I think I actually mentioned this to you uh, over text at one point, but your studio, which I believe is your garage or your or your uh, loadout room, as they call it, uh, at least it seems to be from what I could tell, I, it's done very well. Uh, it's It's got a great vibe to it. And I have to say, I know you said that there was a little bit of a learning curve, but you've gotten very good in front of a camera. So what was that experience like for you? Man, it's... Uh, <laughs> it- it's been amazing, and uh, you know, each time that I go through another video, I learn something, and uh, I'll, I'll forever be a student, uh, lifelong learner, and, and that philosophy is really helping me because I look back over the first videos that I did, and and I think they're okay, you know, and and I see mistakes that I made, and I see things that I did well, and. Uh, I look at where we're at now and I'm really tickled with how things are going and the progression that has uh, just kind of happened there. Um, I owe just about everything to Johnny Villanueva, who is our amazing videographer. That dude is so incredibly talented. Um, He makes the whole setup entirely too easy. And all I've got to do is show up and think of what to say and be semi-cogent. And he edits it, puts it all together, and just makes it look top-notch. So um, it, it's been it's been a really interesting ride to go from what I was doing to uh, where I am now. That that sounds like Mike. What you do for me on the show? That is true. I I tend to make you shine. That's yeah. exactly what happens. No, I'm standing on the shoulders of a giant for sure. <laughs> Uh, so what about you, Jackie? How are things for you for your day to day? Um, you know, it's, it's pretty awesome. I feel very fortunate every time I wake up and I get to go, uh, get to go to work and I get to work with these guys. Uh, we have a fantastic team. Uh, Sean is being super humble over there, by the way, he is knocking out of the park video wise. He and Johnny are such a creative tour de force. They come up with the wildest, wackiest things and they pitch it to me and I'm like, uh, okay guys. And then they pull it together and it's, it's the funniest stuff. Like they're, they're amazing. Have you, have you had to say anything like, okay, just leave the power tools out. Um, we probably have had conversations like that before. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> power no. tools coming up in one tomorrow. So too late. Okay, I, they just don't ask permission anymore. They just I, do it. I envision that whole stepbrother scene, you know, like, there's so much more room for activities. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's exactly how it is. Uh, but no, they're they're wonderful. Uh, we've got a junior editor, Wyatt, who works with me on a daily basis. And he is like a gun encyclopedia. Like, I don't even have to Google anything anymore. I just ask him, uh, which is really convenient. Um, so he's great to work with. And of course, Eric and Paula are... Um, you know, fantastic people. They're great to work for. So, uh, and we get to do cool stuff. We get to talk about guns. We get to help people, you know, choose guns and gear. And, um, you know, what's better than that? Like living the dream over here. <laughs> nice. So you mentioned something earlier about uh, Sean and, and you know, being entertaining and whatnot. I have to tell you that over the course of ever since we interviewed you, Sean, and the course of kind of building a relationship, mostly online, but uh, you and I have some very similar music tastes, and the two that always come to mind for me is uh, is Biggie is one, and the other total opposite extreme of the spectrum is Kiss. And if anyone out there listening uh, is a Kiss fan in particular, 
go onto Sean's Instagram page and check out his air guitar with a giant T-square. You do the best Gene Simmons impression. If they painted you up, man, you could get one on stage. You know, uh, how much did you practice that in the mirror as a teenager? Uh, dude, like eternally. And yeah. uh, Gene, you know, the uh, space vampire, uh, <laughs> I was like, he was my world, man. Like, I did kiss so heavily, but Gene was it for me. Like, yeah, everything man. about him was just so awesome. And his songs in particular just really uh, spoke to me at that age. And so, like, War Machine. And uh, some of his other stuff, it's just uh, so heavy for the time. And uh, yeah, so I, I, I've watched a lot of the videos and, you know, grew up listening to them as a kid. So. Your emotions are spot on. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it is phenomenal. I appreciate so that, man. anyone out there, go check it out. It's up there somewhere uh, and it's, it's great. So <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to ask each of you, uh, and we'll get into some, some cool stuff in a minute, but is there... Either one of you could answer, both of you could answer. Is there a particular either video or blog blog article as of late that you're particularly uh, proud of, or would be considered a favorite that maybe you'd want to direct people to go look at? Man, I don't I don't know about that. Let, let me uh, jump in with something real quick though. Uh, I just wanted to point out. I don't know if you guys were aware of this, but uh, Jackie's gone from editor to editor in chief. Oh, uh, she is the big boss now. She's not saying that. She's the, the big boss. Jeez. So uh, I want you all to uh, bow to the, the presence of here. Wow, that's <laughs> and and of course humble humble as can be was not going right. to tell. Yes, exactly. But no, she well, was made editor in chief, man. So uh, it's super cool, and and this is this has been great for me because the progression has been. You know, we worked at Guns together. I worked for her at Guns.com, and uh, then when she moved over to Keep You Tactical, I was like, yep. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so rather than what's already out there, is there any new initiatives at Pew Pew, or is there any anything coming down the pipeline that you can maybe tease us with, or that you could actually just kind of give our listeners some info on that might be interesting? Yeah, yeah. actually, we do. Uh, we have something. It's already up and available. Uh, we're making some final tweaks to it, but it's called Pew Pew Meter. And um, it's basically it's basically Rotten Tomatoes kind of for guns. So, Sean, do you want to run them through the rest of, uh, yeah, of what sure. to expect? So you guys know, are you familiar with Rotten Tomatoes and sure. the uh, Tomometer, um, where people go in, you've got critics and you've got uh, just the average viewers that come in and give their ratings for different uh, movies. And... Mm-hmm. Um, we're doing that with guns. We recognize that, you know, unfortunately, there is uh, a little bit of cynicism out there. There is some mistrust for, uh, you know, the word shill gets handed out uh, quite a bit for people who produce content. And, and there's no doubt that, you know, we're a business, uh, we're a publication, but we are a business and the stuff that we put out ultimately is for profit, but to provide that information so that we can keep doing this thing, right? Uh, nobody's out there doing it for free. That's just, <laughs> that's not sustainable. But in the end, uh, we feel like we can provide more information and put more people on top of this. It's like group sourcing the whole thing uh, and putting out guns 
pick your favorite gun, go into the pew pew meter and put your rating in there. And that's cool. Um, we're allowing people to go in. We're encouraging people to go in and register and they go in and review the guns that they've had. And uh, so we feel like we'll get a much bigger uh, source uh, for a group. And uh, I think maybe provide some more color to our reviews. You know, if, if you look at the, the long-term potential of uh, doing reviews, you, you have to keep to your integrity. You have to um, stay um, perfectly honest because if you don't, ultimately you'll get found out. And that's not a scenario that you want for, uh, for longevity, right? Because then nobody will listen to your reviews ultimately. Right. But if, if you um, crowdsource too, in addition to your information, I feel like that gives other people the opportunity to share their collective experience because some of the guns that I get, most of the time, we have a great time with them and there's no problems with them. But that doesn't mean that your experience is going to be the same as mine. And your experience is absolutely relevant. If you got the same gun that I reviewed and I gave it five stars, but it was an absolute bomb for you and it didn't work, then uh, that's relevant, and we want to hear that. We want to put that out there. Cool. Yeah, it's a that's a really good idea, and it, it actually it's nice because it's almost like the consumer reports kind of a thing, right? Yeah. Like it, it gives yeah. people the uh, the opportunity to kind of put it out their experience. That's it's a cool idea. Really cool. How long have you guys have that out? So we uh, we started working on it over the summer, and we just recently kind of soft launched it. Uh, and kind of opened it up so that people who come to our site can navigate to it and, you know, like Sean said, leave their reviews or their thoughts or even read some, you know, if you're shopping and you're like, well, I don't know if I really want this. Um, you can compare guns, you know, you can kind of do all your research in one place. So, uh, it's been, uh, it's been going pretty good so far. We've had a lot of traffic to it and then people seem to be really receptive, uh, to the idea. So that's been really encouraging. Very cool. So speaking of guns and lots of guns, Keith recently sent me an, a thing that was called, um, it was entitled, The 28 Guns Used the Most to Commit Crimes in the United States. And it was a list literally from 28 down to one. Mm-hmm. And we know that the media loves to play this game of uh, a man was killed with a gun or by a gun. And, uh, you know, they don't like the whole, uh, you know, uh, guns don't kill people, people kill people. But I wanted to sort of suspend reality for a minute and pretend that guns actually had legs and hands and they could actually <laughs> do the crime. Well, so I, I figured yeah. we would play a game called Who Done It. Okay. Now, Keith, did you cheat? Oh, I, I know the article. So, uh, did you look at the top. All I want to know is, did you look at the top five? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I know the top five. My, oh, my no. thing with the whole. You're, you're disqualified. My, my, okay, fine. My thing with the whole article is that the, the whole, like, context in my opinion of the article is that <clears throat> can you believe that the ATF traced nearly 390 firearms nationwide in 2020 and I'm like isn't that their job <laughs> <laughs> like isn't that what they're supposed to be doing I, I, I don't understand but yes I also know the top five all right well then you're out of it so guys I guess it's just you guys had uh, had one v one here so here's how it's going to work. I'm going to ask you to tell me your what you think came in fifth, the fifth most used caliber. And I'm going to give a hint. It is not an M1 carbine. 
it, 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 M1 did not make it. In the that top. was my guess. Uh, oh. I saved yeah. you. I saved you. <laughs> so you will each give your number five. Okay. And then if you get it wrong, you get an X. If you get it right, you don't get an X. And at the end, whoever has the most X's does not win. <laughs> Question. Oh, Am I allowed to Tanya Harding, Sean? Because I'm very competitive. So. Yeah, 100%. We, we support <laughs> violence on the show. You're okay. just I'm in the dungeon. <laughs> yeah. All right. And of course, no violence, but regular violence, you know, assault is fine. You know, with, yeah. with your hands. And of course, ladies first, right? That happens. <laughs> okay. So, all right. So Jackie, number five, the, the fifth most used caliber to make, commit crimes in the U.S. What is it? 45. Okay. Sean, Sean, what do you think? Man, I'll say 22. It is the 45. 45. <laughs> <laughs> One extra Sean. All right, moving to spot number four, the number four caliber to commit crime in the U.S. Jackie? 380. Sean? 22. I think Jackie read this article too. It is no, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. I'm just guessing. It is the 380. <laughs> the third <laughs> most. The third most used. Uh, She's not going to get this one. Nine millimeter. Sean. 357. Both wrong. It is the 22 caliber. Oh, ah, I <laughs> my, my, Mike and my favorite caliber, or one of. Okay. Number two, Jackie. Um. Two, two, three. Sean? 40. 40 is correct. Oh. Sean got one. Closing you, the didn't get, you didn't get shut out yet, Sean. <laughs> All right. And the number one caliber most used in committing crimes in the U.S. Uh, no, 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 that's not true. The, mo- the number one caliber most traced. Most traced. Most traced by the ATF doing their job. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go nine. Sean? Yeah, nine. Nine Very is good. Nine it is. All right, Jackie, you squeeze out the win by one oh. X. Mike, I am freaking impressed you turned that article into a game. That was awesome. <laughs> I just wish you hadn't read all the uh, the spots. I sent you the article. What do you think? <laughs> I didn't read it? <laughs> I mean, if you knew it was a game, maybe you wouldn't have. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so we do have prizes. I just don't have an ability to get them to you. So <laughs> We'll we'll collect your prizes and use them ourselves. Yes. <laughs> is it recovered brass from crime scenes based on the game? Is that what you really want? Is that something you covet? Well, no, but it just feels very on brand for this game. So. Well, I will give you a here's a here's a little bonus round. Okay. What do you think the number six was? Forty. Uh, I don't remember that. Yeah. Forty. Well, okay, forty was number two, so it can't be forty. Oh, that's right. Um, see, I've oh. already forgotten. I'll give you a mulligan. 357. Okay. Pretty good guess. What do you think, Sean? Hmm. It's a shocker, Sean. Yeah, I would say like, um, I don't know. That's tough, man. That's tough. Maybe 12 gauge. Sorry. I think this is, yes. Yes, 12 gauge. Yeah. Which is a perfect segue into what I want to talk about next. So, Sean, I'd like to kind of go down, uh, pick your brain a little bit with your experience, but something that Keith and I have been sort of toying with the idea of is getting into some tactical shotgun courses. 
I, yeah, until, I, until I started looking at old fuddy target competition yeah, 22s. You're, but. you're all over the place. I can't even keep up with you. Um, <laughs> all part of the journey, gentlemen. That's true. So, Keith, I don't want to speak for you, um, but I, I, I have really been looking at the 1301, Beretta 1301. Yep. I'm very fond of, especially when you start putting uh, Magpul furniture on it and stuff and really kind of making them cool. Yeah. But I also have really been intrigued by the Mossberg 940 Pro Tactical. Yeah, and you've I been talking that about that a lot. A, I know that you did a review on that, Sean. I actually have a link to it in the show notes for people if they want to see it. Um, I, I, I'm very familiar with the Mossberg, and uh, that is an outstanding weapon. What I understand is one of the highlights of that is the um, the ability to directly mount a red dot to it, correct? Yeah. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Like, oh, ready for? Can you get a uh, um, a magazine extender on that? You know, I'm not positive. I would imagine that you can. Uh, it's already uh, it's at, seven plus. Yeah, it's seven plus one, right? Yeah, so. and it's it's at the end of the muzzle, so I'm not sure based on the choke what how much further you could go with that. Okay. Uh, but you know. Seven plus one is good. It's really good when you think about the absolute hell you're unleashing each time you press that trigger. Yeah, I I think of more like those three gun setups that I see with those you know really long extended. You wouldn't magazines. use this gun for that though. Yeah, I guess that's true. You know, Mossberg makes a nine forty ta- um, competition gun too. So if that was your I mean, yeah, like that I mean you you could you could enlist it for that kind of service, but. If you have an extended magazine like that, it almost defeats the purpose of uh, being wieldable inside right. of a structure. You know, sure. you corner with it, can you get up to a door frame and edge out without, um, you know, you, you'd have to do a lot of maneuvering to have a much extended magazine there. So Yeah, it's, it's not one of those things where like a one size fits all. Like the tactical has things that make it good yep. for that job yep. and then a competition or a three gun version of that has things that make it good for that job right so it's mm-hmm. not one of those things where you could kind of do a double duty i mean you could but you i'm always trying to make my firearms do double duty yeah i do <laughs> think with the mossberg though there would be a way because mossberg is generally very good at having interchangeable barrel systems for instance i have one that it's a turkey gun it's a slug gun it's yep. a goose gun yep. and you just can unscrew the barrel nut and take the barrels off so if any gun were going to be able to do it, Keith, I would venture to say that this one would have the ability because they already make a sister gun, if that makes sense. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So, Sean, what is your take on shotguns for home defense? Love it. Absolutely love it. Love it. Okay. Um, and, you know, one of the things that my uh, buddy Wyatt, uh, our new associate editor, uh, assistant editor, came up with, uh, recently pitched to me was the idea of using something other than uh, slugs or double up buck uh, for home defense, but the idea of the number four buck. And you know, with the double lock, you've got nine 33 caliber uh, BBs in there that are moving at a pretty significant rate of speed. And depending on your home situation, over-penetration has got to be a concern. Uh, sure. Because that is, that's a lot of hate uh, coming down range to whatever you're aiming at. And, you know, you have to plan ahead. Uh, you're not going to be 
100% accurate as much as you might like to think that you are, because that's a very exciting situation, the, the concept of pulling out a firearm and using it to defend your home. So, Jackie, are you a shotgun girl? Do you shoot shotgun? Uh, not too much. Um, okay. I've done a little bit in the past, but I'm more of a pistol girl than I am anything. Okay. Do, do you... I mean, your your Instagram is micro Jackie. Uh, do you find the twelve gauge to be a lot for you, or do you manage it well? Um, the first time I shot one, yes. Um, but I think you know, like with anything related to to guns and shooting, it's all in technique, right? If you have good form yeah. and you know what you're doing and you've practiced, then it's not that bad to manage. Um, but you've got to put in that time and that effort and that training to get to a point where you've got that good form and you've got the confidence and you're not anticipating or anything like that. Well, and here's the thing, it, 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 recoil management, it is a real thing, right? So I'm, and I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm a smaller frame guy, like there's just certain guns that like, if I don't have to shoot them, I don't want to shoot them. Like it doesn't mean I can't, but like even Keith, you, you, built your hunting rifle and it's a 30 out six and i know when you were sighting it in you were like dude i i shot enough of it like i didn't want to yeah, shoot i think i shot five rounds through and i was like yep i'm good <laughs> <laughs> um but i was you know another thing too is you know as long as you're not shooting a clapped out you know old remington 1100 or something right you know like the recoil systems have gotten so good mm-hmm. on yeah. some of the modern you know modern firearms that you know it, it is okay but you know there. If you feel like a 12 gauge is too much, I mean, there are some awesome 410s, there are some mm-hmm. awesome 12 gauges, and you're not getting 33, you know, double lot BBs out of it, but, you know, you, you, you can still be effective. Well, Sean, correct me if I'm wrong, Sean, but a 20 gauge is, is pretty damn effective, right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Almost any shotgun is yeah. extremely effective. Yeah. It depends on what you put in it, you know. Um, the other amazing thing about shotguns in general is their sheer utility. Um, you can, in you know, best case scenarios, take a shotgun and use it to open a door. Uh, you can use it to knock somebody down and you know use less less lethal ordnance. Um, you can deploy firecracker rounds to scare away animals. You can. Uh, you got those cool dragon fire ones? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't recommend those because they're pretty rough on your barrel, but uh, that is an option. Uh, you can deploy CS or pepper spray at distance with uh, shotgun shells. Yeah. And, so, and the other thing I would add, and we're talking sort of home defense, I guess, but it is also one of those, and I this is getting so cliche, but I'm going to use it anyway, the whole like, you know, zombie apocalypse thing. Like if you're, <laughs> if, 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 if things went bad, you could use a shotgun for everything, right? You could hunt with it. You can use it for self-defense. I mean, there's a, a, a ton you can do with it. So it really is just an all-around great firearm. Yeah. Uh, and I suppose the same could be said for really anything to some extent, but it really does those jobs well. You yeah. know, like you could hunt with that 940 Pro, even though it's a shorter barrel, you could easily shoot uh, a deer with that. Oh, sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, the, the one downside to the shotgun is you got to feed them. And, uh, and I just recently spent some time out of gun sight and uh, did some shotgun training. And that was the mantra. It's like you feed, you load everything that you shoot. So if you shoot two rounds, you better be stuffing two shells back in your magazine. Uh-huh. Is that the strategy? Yes. 
that really? becomes, that is absolutely what we need to be doing. Why is, so I've never heard that. Can you explain that to me? I'll admit I'm not, in terms of defensive use, I'm not very familiar with shotguns. So why is that the case? So if, if you think about your limited capacity, and you think about it, uh, your average pistol nowadays, right? Your nine millimeter uh, defensive carry, you've got a capacity anywhere from 15 to 20 rounds and the ability to reload that can take you know anywhere from two to five seconds, depending on how, how much practice yeah. you have. Um, but even in a conservative estimate, at five seconds, that's almost no time at all. It yeah, you takes, can't you can't load nine rounds into a semi-automatic shotgun right, in right. five it seconds. It takes longer, uh, and it takes practice, and you know it's a it's a different technique to do that. So um, you have to set up your shotgun. Uh, with the ability uh, to you know, either have more ammunition with you, right. uh, and you got to be reaching in, grabbing it, and stuffing it in. So if you shoot two, um, and you have eliminated your current threat, then you load two. Okay. Uh, so the key there, that's what I was going to ask. <laughs> if you're in the in the the midst of battle and you shoot two, and the threat is still imminent, you're not going to load two and then keep no. engaging. You're saying if there's a time where you are not engaging, you should be loading. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Got it. Okay. And if that takes all seven or eight, uh, you know, say you go slow, good. Use all eight rounds and uh, and then maybe if you uh, have a round saver like an extra shell on the side, duck that one in if, if before you go back to loading fully so that you've got yep. something ready to go while you're loading. Uh, there, there's a lot of cool tactics that come along with that, but it's based on the whole fact that it unloads so quickly, but it right. takes a while to load it back up. And and probably one of the most underestimated <clears throat> points that you're that you're kind of making here is people really have no idea sometimes how many rounds it takes to actually stop someone. Yeah, you know you you know you might not you know one two three rounds of nine millimeter might not do it. I mean there are tons of you know evil doer stories that that people have been. You know, they've had to take 12, 15 rounds before they go down. Sure. You know? I don't I don't disagree with that, but I think one shot from a shotgun, a 12 gauge, probably might end it. <laughs> that's a, yeah, that's a pretty yeah, big maybe. shot. I mean, it ends, a, it ends a clay pigeon pretty well. It does. <laughs> well unless, I'm shooting, unless I'm shooting them. Well, that, Thankfully, you know, we're built a little better than clay pigeons. So. Oh, that's true. Well, I mean, I, we're just big jelly donuts. Yeah. Yeah. It, it all depends, right? What, what round are you using? What's the distance? What's the choke? And where did you hit them? Uh, all of those factors come into play. Yeah. So I mentioned earlier that it, it kind of does double duty. And if you need to, you could use it for defense, but you could also use it for hunting. Uh, so we just uh, finished our hunting seasons up. And uh, Sean, did I see that uh, you went on some kind of a cool hunting trip recently? Where did, where did you go? I did. Yeah, that was up in uh, Minnesota um, at a, it was a high fence reserve. So, uh, you know, the word hunting <laughs> it is not completely applicable there, uh, but I did harvest a, a deer, and uh, it was a, a very cool experience. Very nice. Congratulations. Jackie, do you hunt at all, Jackie? Uh, no, it's it's just never been, I don't know, it's never been a, an opportunity. My dad's a hunter, but uh, he never really took me out. I used to help him clean rabbits when I was a kid uh, and squirrels, but uh, he never took me out, and I, I don't know, I've just never had the opportunity. 
I was waiting for you to say, I, I just send Sean out to do my hunting. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, no, like, can I just reverse my, yeah, I send, I send my minions out to do my hunting. <laughs> would you do it, Jackie? Is it something you would like, like to try or you just, you're kind of past that point? Um, so I'll be completely honest. I'm a little bougie and the idea of being cold and quiet for more than like five minutes isn't super appealing <laughs> at this point in my life, but I don't know. I always like to, I like experiences, so I might do it. You don't have to be cold. They make heated sweatshirts now, oh, you know, like you can be warm as you yeah. want. What's bougier guys, than that? I, I, I think you know, what's bougier than buying a $200 heated sweatshirt? You're not picking up on, on the, the biggest point here, which is... <laughs> The generational differences are um, going to have a hard effect on hunting uh, moving forward because uh, just the ability to sit quietly. You know, if you're not raised, if you're not raised into that lifestyle, uh, if you're not inured in it at an early age, I think you know, uh, kids have so much stimulation nowadays. This is going to be tough for hunting. Yeah. So you know what's funny is I hunted as a kid. I have to be completely honest, I was always bored out of my skull <laughs> and I never got it. Yeah. And then as I got older, I tried it again and I have to tell you a couple of things that made it better for me. So Jackie, maybe these will be some points that'll help you. Mm-hmm. One was a smartphone. If I'm bored, I'm like, well, I'm going to take a break from hunting and I'm going to see what's going on on Instagram. And then you miss a buck. And then I <laughs> miss a buck. In all fairness, when I missed that buck, it was because I was videotaping said buck because I thought it was a doe and I was only going for buck. Listen, I was not going to say that you actually missed a buck. I, I was making like a joke. You brought that in yourself. I know. So, Sean, <laughs> I, I, I got a doe with the bow early on in the season. And I kind of took some time off from hunting. And I said, you know what? I'm going to go out again with the bow. But I'm only and this was even rifle season, I think, right? It was right before rifle season. Okay. And I said, I'm only going for buck. Anything else walks in front of me, I'm not going for it. So I get out there and like within like 20 minutes of me hunt, of being out there, I see this deer come all by itself off in a crossing. I'm like, oh, look at this little deer. It was, it looked little. I was like, look, at <laughs> look at this little guy. This little, look at this cute little deer. And I never, ever do this. Never. I go, I'm going to video. I'm just going to take in nature. I'm going to video. and I'm going to get a little video to show Keith. And all of a sudden I zoom in. I go, wait a minute. That's got antlers. Uh, oh shit, that's not small. I'm fumbling with my phone, like I'm juggling for the bow, and the thing uh, walks uh, literally 20 yards in front of me and past me. And I'm like, ah, uh, oh. uh, <laughs> it was a terrible experience. Uh, anyway, so yes, Jackie, one thing you could do is go on your phone, but just know that there's I a miss a buck. <laughs> there's that. And then the other advice that I have is my entire entire childhood growing up, my father would find a spot that he thought was good. Inevitably, mm-hmm. it was not good. And <laughs> this is my spot, and I'm going to ride this out to the end of time. And we would go to this terrible spot or spots, and mm-hmm. we would never see deer. And yeah. so a friend of mine years later, I said, I don't know. I, like, this hunting thing is not fun. And he goes, well, how many deer did you see this weekend? I said, none. I haven't seen a deer in like a year. And he's like, well, there's your problem. He's like, go yeah. where the deer are. And so <laughs> yeah. I started going where the deer were. And guess what? When deer are like constantly around you, it's a ball of fun. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, much, so- yeah. Yeah, don't go. Yeah, to if you're not even into them. I mean, that's <laughs> that's gotta be frustrating. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It, when my when my buddy said that, I was like, "How many deer have you seen?" And he was like, he texted me back. He's like, "Ah, uh, none." I'm like, "Oh man, that sucks." And I was like, "Yeah, I haven't seen anything either." And he goes, "He goes, oh, you mean buck, right?" And I'm like, "No, like deer." And he's like, "Oh, I saw like 30 doe this morning." He's like, I'm not <laughs> <gonna go." laughs> I was like "Oh, Jesus, I gotta find yeah. a better spot." So. 
Yeah. Anyway, so Keith had his first hunting season and I did. you did very well. Yeah, I, I had a great time. I, I went up to my wife's uh, cousin has a, a couple hundred acres up way up north by Canada. <clears throat> and we uh, we hunted for like a day and a half. And the first day really didn't see too many things. And we kind of moved around during the day a lot to try different spots that he knew. And then uh, at the end of the night, I ended up getting one like in his mom's backyard. Um, and uh, it was a great size doe. Uh, it was like, I don't know, Mike, we, we talked about it a couple times on the show. It was probably like 180, it was big, a yeah, couple hundred 200 pounds. Yeah. And um, it was just a great experience. And it didn't, it, you know, I, I got to experience really i'm at the point in my life where i wasn't bored sitting outside and and just kind of taking in what was going on around me um but i could see where that could be a problem for uh for the generation that's coming up for sure yeah and in all fairness like i I joke about the phone and i do go on my phone but i i've also learned to enjoy just watching like the woods come alive in the morning yeah there was this squirrel it was like the middle of the day at one point and there was this squirrel that was in the on the tree that I was uh you know set up under and he was pissed off that I was leaning on his tree and he was oh, like yeah. coming down the bo- the the trunk and I thought he was going to jump on my head at one point so that. I yeah so things like that just happen you know and mm-hmm. it it's kind of cool yeah so keith did you when you got your deer did you butcher it in front of the local middle school <laughs> i oh. did not butcher it in front of them that feels like a segue yeah, that was good, that was a segue for sure. Keith, it was not a good this, transition, but it was tell us funny. tell us about this uh, this situation. Well, on a, another one of my uh, you know articles that I pass off to Mike during during the week, uh, I had come across this article of uh, neighbors who were the the title of the article is "Neighbors Upset After Man Butchers Deer at Home in Front of School," and of course the headline "Butchers Deer" like the guy hung a deer out of his tree in his yard. That was the only tree that he really had on his property to be able to do this. He probably skinned and, it. I skinned it as well. Yeah. Well, I, it just, in the article, it sounds like he was just hanging it. It was cold. And he, a lot of, uh, I would have hung my deer longer than I, uh, than I did, but it was a really warm, uh, start of the season up there for some reason. It was like 50 degrees. So I, I had no choice, but to, you know, you know, cap it and quarter it that night. But if I had the time, I mean, Mike, correct me if I'm wrong. You would hang your deer for a couple of days if you could. I I don't, but when the problem is, like, I get my deer so early with the bow that you can't guarantee that it's gonna the temperatures are gonna stay low. You know what I mean? So it's it's always a risk. So I just skin mine that day. But but if you can uh, but, hang it, it's a good idea. Correct. Yeah, we it's a no a common practice to hang your deer for a couple of days if it's cold enough. Yeah. I got well, the impression that he skinned the deer is, is what well, I got the impression. Well, this is a it was in Pennsylvania and a guy just again, they keep using the word butcher in the article which bothers me because <laughs> I don't really think that's what the guy was doing according if you really read it. Um he basically had bagged his buck earlier in the week and it had been hanging uh, from a tree in his front yard which is right across the street from a middle school. And, um, you know, he's, what he's doing is perfectly legal, uh, but some neighbors, uh, you know, questioned why he chose to do this. And, you know, he's, uh, he, you know, people, I got grandchildren that come down the street and I think it would upset them to see a gutted deer hanging upside down from the yard. Maybe it would be a good idea to understand where your meat comes from on the yeah, kitchen table. I, I actually, so uh, I actually did think of that point is, uh, I have a couple points here and then I'll let uh, Jackie and Sean jump in. But so I do think that it offers an opportunity because to like have your 
middle school kid walked by and, you know, grandpa, dad, whatever. I, you know, there was a deer hanging in this guy's yard. Like it was weird and kind of scary. It's a great opportunity for you as a father or grandfather in this case. Or a grandmother say, or a ever, regular mom, whatever. Article, but for them <laughs> to say, well, some people, you know, food, food, obviously we get it from the grocery store, but some people hunt for their food and this is part of the process. And just to sort of explain and say, this is just uh, a hobby some people enjoy and that's it. And you, it would be a, an educational moment, I suppose. But the only thing I will say on the opposite of that is just because you said it before, Keith, I, nothing he did was illegal. He wasn't in any legal trouble. Uh, it, it wasn't a condo complex where there was uh, bylaws. But <laughs> I'm a big believer in just because I can do something doesn't always mean that I should do something. But he even says in the article, this is, you know, where I'm going to quote him. This is where I live. I have no other choice. I have no other trees in my yards. Yeah, if, yard, if I did. That's bullshit. Did you see the property? I did. No, no, no I that's mean, not uh, what I mean, though. That's not what I mean. What I mean is, okay, so if you have neighbors, you know you're going to upset neighbors. He even said- He's I, been I, doing this for years. He says he's been, he says, I uh, he says I, I've been been hunting since I was a child, and it's not the first time My I've done this. Is, and it, you know you're upsetting people. First of all, you're not putting a good light on hunting by doing it, right? He and upset so, somebody now for the first time, right? I'm yeah. just saying you <laughs> could be a good neighbor- and you could say, you know what, I'm going to try and see if I can find a workaround. Maybe you have a, maybe you have a buddy who has a garage that you could do it in. Maybe you have- I disagree. That's like saying I can't water my lawn with my sprinkler system. No, it's not well. the same thing. I mean, you're, <laughs> you're it's like it's like being like in the gun community. There's a lot of things we can do, but we choose to make smart decisions that make us look good and not look bad as gun owners, right? Like just because you can do something doesn't always mean you should do something. All right, I got. I, let, let's hear Jackie, Sean. What do you guys think? Mike and I could talk about. We could debate this all day. Uh, I mean, I see both. I see both sides. Definitely. You it's mean a, you see my side? I see both sides. <laughs> um, I I understand that that's his property, and and I totally support people, you know, doing what they want within the confines of their property. And he's not breaking any laws, and it sounds like he's done this for a while, and you know, it's his every right to do that. Um, on the other side of it, I have a child who is very sensitive and then is an animal lover. And um, I was telling Sean this, this story earlier today that we had a, a baby chick fall out of a tree um, about a year ago, and he still prays for that baby chick every night well, a that's year a baby later. Chicken. I mean, um, yeah. So, like something like that would we w- it would give us an opportunity to talk about it, but it would it would very much emotionally affect him. So I kind of lean towards personally, if it were me, I like to keep optics low. I don't want to upset anybody. I don't want even anybody to know that I really exist. I just want to operate in life, (laughs) go on with what needs to go on and, you know, take care of my business. You take care of your business. That that's how I choose to be. I don't, I I try to keep as low of a profile. So that's not something I would do. I do not support cats and Chinese food at all. You know, I draw the line there, but you know, this, I, I just, I think it sounded like you agreed with me, Mike. I don't know what you thought. <laughs> no, you definitely did not agree. With <laughs> Go ahead, Sean, what do you got for us? Well, um, let's, let's, let's put it this way. If, if I got that call from a concerned citizen, like if I were back in law enforcement, right. And I was responding to that. Out, oh, good, good, good approach. Um, I would absolutely support 
that man's ability to uh, continue his lifestyle in, in the way that he sees fit. Um, you know, as uh, a parent also of a sensitive child, uh, it's an incumbent upon me to explain to my child and, and have to deal with that potential reaction. So I'm, I'm kind of in the middle on this one. I, I think, you know, um, our American values, our ability to do the things that are uh, important to us to continue our culture, to continue our lifestyle. Uh, we should be allowed to do that on our property within, you know, the normal considerations and the limits of the law. Uh, but <laughs> there is the optic side of it too. Uh, it doesn't mean that it's maybe the best approach. I feel like you could pretty easily uh, install uh, an H frame in the backyard and uh, pretty cheaply too, and hang your deer and not annoy people or upset people. Uh, All right, let's guy. start a GoFundMe page and, and get this guy. <laughs> Normally, you throw things on me on the show. I'm throwing it on you. You go get this guy's information, start a GoFundMe for him. I got his name. It's in the article. All right, I'll, take uh, care. I'll, okay, yeah, that's We're a, back okay. next week. All right, you got it. Gonna, right. Let, me, let me start now. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so I uh, was on Reddit the other day, which can be a good thing, but it also can be a bad thing. And I read something that I was like, oh, I really want to talk about this. So it had to do with an accidental discharge. Um, that is in quotes, by the way. Mm-hmm. And a young man, 21 years old, uh, reported to the subreddit that he wanted some advice and that he had had an accidental discharge and didn't know how to proceed. And so he tells the story. And the story is he just got his handgun and he was uh working a shift at a fast food restaurant where he works and the gun was in his center console of his car. And after the long, a long shift, he asked one of his buddies slash coworkers if he wanted to go to the car and see his new gun. And yeah. yep, you can see where this is going. And so he takes him out and he decides that he is going to, you know, be all cool and he's going to do a dry fire. So he racks the slide and he does a dry fire and he dry fires and he racks the slide and, Dry fires and he dry fires and racks the slide and boom. So first of all, accidental discharge really was not an accidental. It was really a negligent negligent discharge. But uh, this young man doesn't know how to really even dry fire, let alone the difference between those two. So yeah, how does that even? Did he have two dummy rounds in there? I'm assuming. There's a big assumption on my part. I'm assuming he does mention something about. Should I be carrying without one in the pipe? Okay. And okay. So I don't know if that's a reaction to this situation where now he's scared, but maybe he didn't have one in the pipe, right? Maybe right. He, he thought the best way to carry was just having a mag in, but not having it chambered. And then when he did his quote unquote charging to dry fire, he didn't fully charge. Yeah, or it didn't yeah. rack around. And yeah, yeah. And he did the same thing. And the third one, maybe he gave it a full pop. Yep. And he actually chambered around. Right. That's about the only. Yeah. Okay. That's the only okay. I can think of. I'll, right. I'll buy that. Yeah. Okay. What? What really? And and people lit this kid up. Some people said, you know, hey, you did really something stupid. A lot of things stupid, but good for you for owning up to it and and trying to get help. But. There's a lot to unpack here, right? I mean, yeah. What was the what were some of the advice that was given to him? So a lot of good stuff. I mean, a lot of it was just kind of like you're a moron, but some of it was <laughs> some of it was like he needs to hear that. 
you don't sound mature enough to to handle this. You really should be taking this more serious and, you know, maybe not have a gun right now. That was one piece of advice. One was you really need to get proper training. Yeah, I was hoping to hear that. I yeah. thought was thought was good, right? Um, a lot of advice on dry firing and what it is, and and everyone here I think will agree: no ammo in the vicinity, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, not dry firing in your car. With <laughs> I when I've been dry high firing the hawk a lot, and I am still like I I check that thing like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm so scared of it. You know, I don't want to say scared of it, but you know, uh, I'm so, yeah, I'm so, I respect yeah. it. That's a good word, Sean. Thank you. That I, I'll even dry fire three or four times and then I'll check it again. Yeah. <laughs> you I know? Say, am I the only one who like, you know, take out my, my, if I'm going to dry fire, I will often have a, a magazine that is completely empty just to keep the, uh, the grip on it. If it's a yeah. extended mm-hmm. grip, but am I the only one that takes out the actual ammunition clears the gun, checks it, puts a finger in, looks down the, you know, the whole nine yards and then racks it again and locks it back. Like, I feel like I do it like three or four times and I'm like, is this overkill? Cause I feel like, no, I, I don't think so. I mean, I do it. I mean, look at, we do it to each other, Mike, you know, like if, if either one of us bring, you know, a, a new firearm or something around each other to show, you know, we hand it over to each other. We always go, it's clear, but check it yourself, you know, like, you know, so I don't, I don't think there's any overkill to that. Yeah, Sean. I mean, you you've been around them in a lot of capacities in your job, and uh, what do you? I mean, what what are your thoughts on this? So uh, I have some uh, fun examples for this too. There's uh, uh, ask Alec Baldwin about regret. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, and I'm not trying to make a, a political statement there. I'm just saying that uh, you only get one chance to get that right. And um, I shoot almost every week, quite a bit. And so my my life has changed significantly. And because of that, uh, now I have really two modes of shooting. And when I go out to a training and if I go out for a qualification, that is a fighting mindset, defensive mindset. Um, But when I'm reviewing a gun, I have I'll always have Johnny with me. And so I have another person who is going to be at oblique angles. He's not going to be directly downrange from me, but he is in the vicinity. So uh, I am uh, constantly showing him an empty and clear chamber and an empty magazine. And because of that, uh, I very often during the process of filming will uh, press a trigger on an empty chamber. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and so what happens is we have these, you don't you'd rather that yeah we have these funny little clips and he rolls them in much to my chagrin uh, but he rolls them in and shows because here I am pressing the trigger now I will say that uh, most of the time I don't have any kind of muzzle jerk so I'm happy about that <laughs> but because I'm constantly you know reinforcing that idea in my mind in his mind okay we're safe Yeah. I will say this. There, there was a couple things. So one of the other things that people were saying, and I, and I agree with this, is there was a little bit of like showing off, right? He was showing off to his friend. And 
I I feel a little uh, hypocritical saying this because Keith and I are showing off guns to each other all the time. We're constantly yeah. showing each other guns, but it's a little different. I feel like this is just like a random guy he worked with. Well, it's different in you know the fact that I we don't do it. We don't like take a break from our jobs to go out to our car to show right. our you know like we do it in a very controlled environment, and you know um, I would even dare say. I don't. I guess it's fifty fifty, but it's either in the studio or it's at the range. Yeah, mostly. Yeah, and and I will give. It's hard to give this kid any credit. Uh, there was a lot wrong, but the one thing I will say, and this is a testament to the idea of it, there are four safety rules for a reason. Yeah, and he did do a lot of things wrong. Um, he didn't treat it like it was loaded. Um, he didn't keep his finger off the trigger until he was ready to shoot. Although you could, it see sounds like he might. It's, I mean, it, at least he did in terms of like that. He was dry firing in a safe direction. Correct. You know, and that's like, how I was going with this. You know, it's 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 a testament to those rules that if you fail one of them or two of them, the third one should make sure that you're okay. And it in this case, worst case scenario, you know, he, he shot his transmission and you yeah. know, he's going to pay for that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, that was one of the questions I had is like, where did the round go? Well, you know, I wasn't yeah. going to bring it up, Keith, but since you said it, he made, it was, he, this is part of it too. He made kind of light of it. He, he made like, I don't want to call it a joke, but he made comments about how it was like a, a, um, a miracle bullet because he can't find the hole anywhere. And he just kind of made this like light thing, light kind of a uh, joke about how, you know, it was like a, a miracle. I don't bullet. even know where it went. <laughs> I don't even know where it went. Yeah. Uh, huh. Yeah. It was, it was, it was a wild story. You know, uh, it, there's an old saying I've heard before that says there's two types of people. People have had an ND and people have had an ND and people that will have an ND, you know, <laughs> around them long enough. Shouldn't laugh at that. Anything can happen, but listen, that's why we have to practice those safety rules one on top of each other. You know, mm-hmm. like I said, so before we wrap this up, I have one last little thing to talk about, and it's actually an opinion question. Uh, someone had asked for advice on, uh, after getting a new gun, whether they should buy a red dot first, they want to shoot red dot, or a pistol mounted light first. So red dot only, moves on. If you, only, <laughs> if you could only buy one, Keith. Red dot. Red dot. Okay. Reason? Uh, it'll help you be more accurate, um, most likely. Um, yeah, I I just think it's a better option for, you know, a, a self-defense situation than a light. Okay. Jackie? I'm going to say red light. I think the learning curve on a red light, it, or red light, red dot, goodness gracious, red dot, a learning curve on the red dot is a... Uh, a lot smaller than that of learning, you know, uh, light tactics and how and when you should use your light. So very good point. Definitely. Sean. I reject your soul two options and I submit training. There's <laughs> 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 nothing. That's not a wrong answer. It's not a wrong answer, but I would, I would, I would argue that if you have one of those two things, you would need training on them. So now that we know that you're going to get training, which would you rather have the training on a red dot or a light? Red dot. Strictly because uh, not everyone is going to have the need for a light. Yeah. And, you know, if you're carrying every day, uh, but you're pretty secure in your home at night, or you have another option to uh, defend your home at night, uh, identity of your target is less important. Whereas uh, a 
red dot is something that's going to be useful for you and provide you with distinct advantages over irons, in my humble opinion. Yeah. Um, than uh, than a, a weapon like. Yeah. So I will uh, round it out, and I will go for the clean sweep. I also went red dot, and the only argument I can make for light, and it's a very weak argument, is that if you if you're buying a holster. You kind of have that's a totally different kind of a holster. That's, that's only, true. It's the that's only true. argument. But I, I actually did some like research into this a while ago. The number of case uses where like a light was actually used, like that where it was that low light and you needed it is pretty low actually, which I think mm-hmm. is kind of what Sean was alluding to. Yeah. And and um, I think I think you can, you know, train your support hand to hold a light. Well, that's the know. other thing. You, that's my other point. Yeah, you could easily get just a uh, a handheld light and run it that way right so yeah and there's just, a lot of uh defensive instructors out there you can go from youtube there's tons of information on this topic uh a lot of times people will suggest that you carry a separate light because yeah. that doesn't force you to muzzle someone every right. time correct <laughs> right yeah. which is Mike potentially and- a felony by the way hello yeah <laughs> <laughs> Only a potential. Uh, my, my, Mike and I, Mike and I, both took a low light course, and uh, you know, we we both did it with handheld lights, and uh, I I could totally see the benefit for that purpose. But yeah. without that training, you wouldn't necessarily know to how to splash your light, right? Right. Without muzzling someone. So. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and and in terms of the red dot, I mean, we all picked it obviously for if you shot a red just, dot, it just it in my opinion. We love it. Head and shoulders makes you a better shot. It's sure. so much easier once you get the learning curve down. It's it's there, and you know, I obviously it's a good decision because we all picked it, and that's all that matters. So, anyway, <laughs> I think that'll do it for this episode. I want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in, and a very special thanks to Jackie and Sean for hanging out and chopping it up with us. If anyone out there has any opinions or thoughts on tonight's conversation, feel free to reach out to us on Instagram or Discord and let your voice be heard. <laughs>